Hi folks, a shout out this week to Sharon Pask, who did a review of the Take On Board podcast. Thanks, Sharon. She says, gender pay gap episode, very informative session with Emma Ray. Thank you. Well, thank you, Sharon, for taking the time to do a review. We love to get reviews here. And thanks to Emma for doing that episode. Second announcement for this week. This week we're hearing from Kari Hatch. And listen right through to the end of the episode where she shares resources because not only does she share some resources in the episode itself, but sent me a voice memo afterwards with some additional ones. So there's some gold in there. Radio on with the show. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast. I'd like to start by acknowledging that I am recording on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to Elders past, present and future. I also acknowledge and respect the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practice of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, and I extend that respect to any First Nations people we might have here with us today. Being on a board can be an incredibly valuable, interesting and exciting experience. Yet it can also be lonely, challenging and, let's face it, pretty hard. So here at Take On Board, I'll bring you weekly tips, tricks and advice to help you navigate your way onto a board, onto your next board and to build your governance wisdom. Now, on with the show. Today on the Take On Board podcast, I'm speaking with Shweta Manya about her journey to the boardroom, including non-traditional roles and background in the boardroom. First, let me tell you about Shweta. Shweta is on the boards of C-Spine, a global spinal technology company, and I should have checked how to say this, RX site, is that how I say it? Yes, I'm getting a nod, an ophthalmic medical technology company. Shweta brings an extensive network of established healthcare system relationships across digital health and technology, investor, pharmaceutical, medical device and hospital systems industries. She's passionate about keeping current with trends in medical devices, data, wearables, the internet of things. Oh my gosh, you've got EHR here and I don't even know what that is. What's EHR, Shweta? Electronic health records. Hey, oh, that's interesting. I say EMR, electronic medical records. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, And machine learning. In her day job, in all her spare time, she's at Google Cloud and she's the strategy and market solution leader responsible for biopharma and healthcare and life sciences. She's quickly risen through the ranks as a well-known innovator, game changer and relationship ambassador, something important to the take on board community. And she's proven time and time again how valuable relationships can be by enabling dozens of startup firms with access to capital from federal grants and VC firms alike. Welcome to the Take On Board podcast, Shweta. Thank you so much, Halia. It's so great to be here. Oh, I cannot wait for this conversation. But before we dig into your journey and your experiences in the boardroom, Let's dig a little bit deeper about you. Tell me, what was young Shweta like? And when did you get your first inkling that maybe you'd end up in the boardroom? So that's a great question. I've been thinking about this. So I will start uh, maybe from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I uh, have always been a go-getter from a young age. That's not always a great thing, by the way. But I didn't know what I was going after. 
except that there was always going to be something more to learn, something more to, you know, something more to do. So there's a couple of aspects. So my father instilled values of community service from a very young age, as I planted flowers in community flower boxes in downtown. We cleaned up the sides of roads and parks together. It was very important that he instilled a sense of community. Everybody has to have access and everybody deserves a community. And that's what it actually takes to make a community. So that's a personal piece that I'll share, right? In my professional life, that has to do with healthcare and life science. For example, in one of my prior roles, I was tasked with developing a tech transfer, which brought together researchers and universities and community hospitals through a nonprofit entity. When I had arrived at that job, there was nothing to commercialize because there was so much mistrust between everyone. So I often was very attracted to roles that were required to bring different people together or different skills together. I spent time at Roche as well, and I saw that on another level. While people were excited about looking at technology, that could be mobile medical apps, that could be larger tech company, looking at larger tech companies in the world, they weren't really sure how does a pharma company, which Roche is one of the large, larger pharma companies in the, uh, in the world, they didn't really understand how do you best leverage technology? And this is, you know, I'm talking almost about 10 years ago, and it was challenging to keep commitment since technology was always, a, you know, deemed a risky choice. So, you know, being able to sway and influence. So I've had a personal piece and my professional career, which wasn't always sequential, really bringing some of that together. And now I work for a tech company. While I say that I'm from healthcare and life science, or I'm from the industry, my industry first, I am now currently at Google, as you just shared, and it prides itself to be able to parse through data using artificial intelligence. And it takes a long time to have an industry like healthcare and life science to get comfortable and safe and excited about technology in general. And there's always an opportunity for greater good in the world, right? And access to data and information is a key part of that. So I share that about my community values that my father instilled with me, because that's actually how I took it to my operator roles about how I work, right? In any role that I've had, it was all around democratizing data, providing transparency, and being at that crossroads of technology and healthcare and life science. And so I've thrived on being a connector, democratizing this information, making decisions and recommendations with higher level information. And so being in that position to influence well-funded organizations in healthcare and life science that are dabbling or trying to understand data, that's great. But I felt it was also really important to help organizations who are at the beginning of their data or technology journey, and they're at the beginning of their journey of looking at data as their currency. While I wish I could say that my background and my career was very sequential and I knew exactly where I was going next, it was actually an amalgamation of all these experiences that really have given me that really unique perspective of both healthcare, life science, and technology to be able to say, you know what, there is something that, that is unique that I'm able to offer when it comes to partaking in a board. And I think it's a responsibility, right? Is you're not participating. It's a responsibility that you have sitting on a board here. Oh my gosh, that is such a great introduction from little young Shweta planting your plans through to that connector of, you know, I've heard a number of connections in there. There's connections around tech and life sciences and health and data and connector of people, you know, building that trust in people and building those relationships is key to getting things done. What was your first board? What was your first board and how did you end up there? That's a great question. My first board is a fantastic organization known as C-Spine, a spinal implant company. 
how did I get there? That's a fantastic question. Goes along with one of the pieces of advice that I, I share with folks. I got there because I started telling people that I was interested in joining a board. It wasn't that I told one person. I didn't tell just recruiters, right? I started talking to my mentors. I started talking to everyone who, who could provide me with any kind of connection. Hell yeah, it was never directly like, hey, I know somebody who's looking for a board member. It was always a, let me introduce you to this person who will introduce you to that person. Then you talk to that fourth person, that third person, but it really is how it starts. You have to be vocal. You have to be willing to network. And the way I did that with C-Spine is I was actually looking at uh, a few board opportunities. One of the boards that I was initially looking at came through a, a colleague who I had met through a women's health uh, networking forum who mm -hmm. said that, hey, our, the, the company that I'm with, we're looking for a new board member. I spent my time with that board. It wasn't exactly the right fit, but it happened to be one of the people that was interviewing me on that board happened to be the CEO of the board that I'm currently on. And so it all worked out really well in the end and it found a great fit for me and for C-Spine, but it certainly was not you know, something that was just a, you know, an A to B, it was a long process, which really felt uh, sometimes not sequential. <laughs> Yeah, it does feel sometimes like a bit of a, a spider map and you're not quite sure where the edge of the spider web is. It could be anywhere around the circumference. So then I'm interested, and I'm guessing given the work that you do, you were looking for a health tech company, but maybe not. How did you decide, was it opportunistic that a health tech company came to you or were you specifically investigating in the health tech area? Like how did you work through what you should be looking for? Originally, I was limiting myself into the health space, right? And health space is still very broad, right? You could be in the pharmaceutical, you can be very, you know, biotech, you could be in the health plans or insurance, very, very wide. But uh, what I realized is in order to get on a board, I was actually indexing more on my skill set. And the skill set was looking at data as your currency and being somebody that can help implement technology in your digital transformation. But my network is, of course, going to be very heavily skewed towards the health side. So I would say that it, it was an area that I was most comfortable with. What was fantastic about C-Spine, which I did not share, but in my early, early career when I was in college and right after college, I spent quite a bit of time in translational orthopedic research at the Scripps Clinic in San Diego. So I've already had a soft spot for orthopedics, Final. And so it was, uh, it was ended up becoming a very good match. But I will mm -hmm. say that initially, I was not indexing on healthcare as much as I was indexing on data and helping organizations think about data as their currency. Yeah, it's an interesting intersection there, isn't it? Between the skills and the networks, people often leverage into something else entirely. I mean, I know I'm on a health board. Health is not my background at all. And one of the things I love about that board, and indeed part of the value I think I bring to that board, is that I'm not from the health sector. You obviously want some people from the health sector on your board, but not all of them. So sometimes it's, it's deliberately looking outside and sometimes building on those networks. So what I'd love to know then is about how you then joined your second board. And then I would love to hear some of your experiences in the boardroom, because my, my guess is that you're bringing a, a different perspective sometimes. So I'd, I'd love to hear about that as well. But first up, then from your first board, how did you then join your second board? 
So what's very ironic is, hell yeah, we worked so hard to get on that first board. The amount of networking and conversations and mentorship and discussions and introductions and everything that you go through and you get on the first board. And I have to be honest, within six months, there is a slew of things that are coming. Hey, have you considered this board? Hey, we'd like to talk uh. to you. And I, I chuckle in the most humble, I am so humbled because suddenly you are now a qualified board candidate. And I yes. said, there's so much for me to learn, right? Mm. And I am very self-aware about that. And I'm still learning, of course. But the second board opportunity came to me because I wanted to be very careful about how you continue to grow your board career. The most important currency besides data is time. And everybody has a limited and the same amount of time, right? And so I wanted to be very careful about where I took my next board. And I also believed that what I chose is kind of now going to start setting a little bit of a pattern, right? Of the kind of opportunities that I, I will become known for. Second board opportunity came through a recruiter, and uh, this recruiter had then uh, introduced this opportunity for me, again, in the healthcare space, RXI, ophthalmic technology company, fantastic work to work, uh, to work with patients with, uh, in cataract surgery and being able to adjust your vision after that surgery. Now, why would I go into now an ophthalmic uh, company? It was because when I was at Roche, I worked in ophthalmology, among other things. So I still, again, once again, had a connection and a soft spot for that. I will not say that I know I knew everything about ophthalmology, but I knew enough to sound dangerous, understand what the company's goals are, who they were working with. And it was very interesting because why it was attractive for me is because the first board that I'm on is slightly more established. It spun out of a relatively large device company. This second board had just gone public. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm working with two very different styles of uh, boards as well, right? And the way that they're making their decisions, some, you know, some are much more tenured and they've managed uh, through many storms and others are thinking about, you know, they're still getting out of the, how do I not function like a startup mode, right? Yeah. And so that has been a very interesting, while they're both in the kind of health space, both in the device space, totally, totally different experiences. And in a very, very positive way, I would say that has been really helpful for me. And yet the second board was looking for skills because it was a, more of a stereotypical board. Many of them have an ophthalmology background, are practicing physicians, and they were looking at how do you think about data as your currency? And we're very open to a diversity of thought for their board membership. Oh, that is so interesting. And it's where I want to go next. I love how you've been very mindful, I think, about that board portfolio. You mentioned that. You know, yes, you're bringing that tech, but at different stages of development. And again, I always encourage people, think about, as you have done, what are the skills that you can give to an organisation? What is the sort of sector or organisation that I might want to join? And also, what are the different stages of development for boards out there? And you've got two that, that on paper might look quite similar, but in fact, they're not because they're at a, such a different stage of development. So it's a great way of bringing diversity to your portfolio as well. Just before we, we tip over to your experience in the boardroom, you said for your first board, it took time, it took coffees, it took connections. Can you just give us an indication of, are we talking 
a year and, you know, 100 coffees or are we talking 10 years? Like it, just give us a bit of a flavour of what that really looks like. For me, if I were to actually put a, a time down, I would say it took about two years of very intentional effort. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that there weren't opportunities that came my way in those two years, but two years to find what I consider to be the right fit for me, right? It wasn't yeah. just taking the first opportunity that came. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to acknowledge is that I, I realize that we are in a very fantastic time in the world as it relates to board opportunities and boards really thinking carefully about who and what is the makeup of your board. And so there are people who were, came before me that may have been five years or 10 years or 15 years before they got the first opportunity when they were intentionally looking for it. So two years sounds like a long time. It certainly was a long time, but I also am very grateful for those who came before me that made it as short as two years for me. Like I'm not at all surprised to hear that. I don't know if people in the take on board community that are listening would be surprised, but that doesn't surprise me at all. I often say a year to two years and particularly as you say, when you want to join the right board as in the board that's right for you. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And it's not like For someone who's a connector like you are, and indeed as am I, that journey is actually a whole world of fun because you are getting to meet a whole range of different people and learning a whole lot more. So it's not like nothing's happening in that two years that is of value and fun for you. There is also the, well, for me. Absolutely. And Helia, I do want to say maybe one other thing about this because two years, it feels like a very long time. And it was lots of coffees and lots of discussions. And in some cases, we were going through a pandemic. And so a lot of virtual coffees as well. Mm. And it took some time because while I'm sitting on the board, I'm also an operator, right? I have a full-time job. And so realizing how to use these networking opportunities differently than when you are trying to articulate yourself for a job, a full-time role is very different, right? You know, at the beginning, I used to go into these very, okay, I'm going to go in. This is kind of an interview. It's not. Board networking is very different. It's a very different and I would say you're really trying to get to know the people just as much as you're trying to get to know the skill set, which is slightly different than when you're interviewing for a, a traditional job. Interesting. In my reflection is it's probably flipped for a job, skills, then relationship, for a board relationship and then skills, because that's such a such a great observation. Is there any other differences in that that you'd like to share? Because that could be very helpful for people that are listening. Certainly. I think one of the areas that I would also say, right, I had said at the beginning, you need to let everybody in your network know. To me, what has been so important, and I think part of the reason why some opportunities have come my way and introductions have come my way that have, I, you know, I go back and attribute that this wouldn't have happened if this introduction didn't happen, if this person didn't spend the time that you should remain connected and take the time, even if there is nothing, no current opportunity, right? I think Mm -hmm. we work in such a fast paced world that relationships, a text message or an email is just when you need something. And I think Mm -hmm. this was different than just interviewing for a typical role. I do truly believe that there is something in the trust and the connection that you make with people. And that comes from time. And that comes from staying connected with somebody when you don't need something, right? And creating truly a trusted network of people that would be Mm -hmm. willing to pick up the phone when you do actually call and need some help or some advice to how to think about this opportunity. And it's been really 
I would say a very different experience. And it took me a little while to figure out that this wasn't as clear cut as it is when you're looking for an operator role. Oh, that is, that's gold. So folks that are listening, um, that's going to put you one step ahead of the game because you've just been given some of those differences in it rather than having to go through it and learn it yourself. So that is gold. Thank you. I would love to talk about your experience in the boardroom. We've talked about getting into the boardroom, but I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience in the boardroom because my guess is sometimes you're bringing a different perspective or a different insight or a different angle. We know that diversity in group decision-making is stronger, better, all of those things, better decision-making, but we also know that it sometimes can be harder because there's those diverse views and people are testing each other a bit more. So I'd just love to hear some of your experience in the boardroom and how you bring that different perspective to people in a way that they hear. (laughs) Because sometimes hearing different views, it's hard for people to hear. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that part of this is the boards that I chose were ones that were historically have a very, well, this is how everything has always been done. The industry rather, not the board itself, but the industry as well, if everything has been done one way. And so I remember when I was learning about the board members for the first board, for example, with C-Spine, it was very important for me to better understand or best understand why are they looking for a different board member, right? Are they actually willing to listen to a diverse set of viewpoints for both the first and the uh, second board that really came and rang true. At least they were willing to be challenged, which I thought was very, very important. Both companies are coming from industries that have historically done things one way, and this is just the way that you could uh, continue on. And so that I would say we were already, uh, you know, a step ahead because I'm joining a board that has already agreed or has already articulated that they're willing to be challenged and they're looking for diversity of thought because they know that they need to do things differently or think about things differently. So that's, you know, I want to set that up first. But I would say that part of how you influence in the boardroom, my style may not be everybody else's style who's listening here, but the first couple of board meetings, I really did take the time to take it in and understand how the dynamics were working. I've met everybody on a one-to-one basis up until this point. So that was mm-hmm. my first thing is right trying to understand the dynamics of the boardroom. But then there were some things that, of course, in both boards, right, that you say, why do they do this? Like, you know, why is this happening? I've never seen this before. Maybe this is normal. Maybe this is not normal. And there's a couple of things that I will say. One, I took my uh, opportunity as a board member to do, to almost act like a student and not only just prepare with all the board materials, but try to really understand when we're saying we should do this, if we're going to file that, what does this mean? And I actually even leaned on some colleagues, particularly on the audit side, I leaned on to some colleagues who I said, can you please have me understand why are we making this recommendation? Can you? And then after the meetings, I would go and ask, here's a question I have. You know, I'm not on the audit committee, but can you explain why did we do this? And so continuing to very much learn. So that's that's one piece. So now I'm starting to see the differences. Now I'm getting kind of my my feet have gotten wet and I really understand a little bit more about some of the choices that we're making and why. Some things still don't sit right with me. So now I'm actually, I give perspective that I have either from the life science industry, the healthcare industry, or things that are happening at Google. I always caveat this with, I know this is not the same industry, but you know, the industry that I'm coming from, when we're trying to think about product development, we cut any new R&D until we launch what we have. And that's how cost cutting can be done. I'm giving an example, right? 
Helia, that's not unique to Google. We're going into a recession. If you need to think about your, you know, your overall PNL, cuts have to be made. Generally, any organization is going to start limiting some of the R&D so that they can focus on what they already have in market. And so what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to very respectfully share examples from my line of work, try to draw that connection. But I'm always acknowledging that I know because, you know, you don't want to get that eye roll with things that, you know, you're, you're a big company or you, you know how to do this. I said, no, you know, every organization is going through some of the very similar challenges. And let me share how this is going through. Similarly, I think that I've given examples from my work in life science as well as in healthcare. And I think that that piece has really, being the unique voice that could say, I've worked in technology, I've worked in healthcare, and I have worked in life science. And I, you know, currently working in a technology company has really, really proven to be able to at least have a share of voice and be taken in a, at least the dialogue continues, right? Sometimes we go this way, sometimes we go that way, but it's our responsibility to pick things apart, right? And so that's our responsibility to the shareholders. And so starting to be much, much more vocal, but being respectful of trying to know like, okay, we understand that this is, the company is in this situation. Here's an example. And that so far has worked for me. I know it sounds much more rosy than it probably does end up in the when we're in, in the heat of a discussion. I've seen it work well for me. And perhaps that's also by gaining some of the trust of your of your fellow colleagues as well. Trust and respect are the foundations really to those robust conversations. Like robust conversations are great if built on trust and respect. I was jotting down just a few pointers as you were talking there. And, you know, so what I heard, you, you learn... Like you're up, you're curious and asking the learning questions, you're connecting. I've heard a number of times in a number of different formats in this conversation, you are connecting always and part of your role in this, bringing that different perspective is to learn and then connect and then to share, share your own experience and get to that shared voice. Oh, that is again, gold for people that are listening. I think about it. there's no one way I think to ensure that diversity in the boardroom is done well, but that is a really fabulous kind of songbook that people can follow that might be, might help them to do it as well. Oh, Shweta, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I'm wondering what are the key points you want people to take away from the conversation that we've had today? We've already talked about this, but I do want to reiterate that it takes time, right? It is not something that you can just turn on and say, why aren't people calling me? And Mm. you need to be so vocal, almost to a point of where you're getting uncomfortable. You need to let people know. You have to create Mm -hmm. that network. Keep it connected, not just when you need that input or your favor, right? Like I mentioned, on the topic of network, I think you and I talked about this before, network is, you know, everybody that you're talking to, but there's also a trusted set of advisors that you have. I think we talked about that term kitchen cabinet, right? Not people who are just going to say yes, yes, and agree with you, but trying Mm -hmm. to have your mentors and people that you trust as advisors who are coming from different parts of the industry, different chapters of their life. And so using those people that you have as your trusted advisors, and again, continuing to keep in touch with them so that they Mm -hmm. would be willing to pick up that phone when you do need something. And then I would say the last piece is there is no one right way to get onto a board. They are multiple ways. And I would expect that if anybody is serious about getting onto a board, you should really, really activate all aspects. Talk to the recruiters, talk to your network, put it out there, right? And being extremely vocal about that has 
been really important in being able to articulate your skills. What do you want to be known for? I took some time from my side, but it has really proven to be very valuable as I have these conversations now. You've refined your, you know, how do they say it? The unique value proposition. You've refined it from that operational side to the board and governance side. Fabulous. Is there a resource you would like to share with the Take On Board community? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a couple, but one that I would highlight is a keynote that I recently did earlier in this spring of this year with the South by Southwest, the keynote called the technological determinants of the future of health. Uh, mm. That is where I attempted to share in about an hour, what I thought uh, the, where the industry is going uh, over the next 20 to 50 years. Fabulous. I haven't caught that one yet, Sweeter, but I will because, as I said, I'm on a hospital board as well. So I'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes. So, folks, if you're listening, it'll be in the show notes. And if you're out walking, listening to this, just go and have a look at the website. The link will be there and all the show notes are there as well. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and share some of your wisdom about getting on a board and what some of the steps and thinking through there is, and also having different experiences and different perspectives valued in the boardroom. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the Take On Board community today. Thank you so much for spending the time. It's a pleasure. So that's a wrap for the Take On Board podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and being part of the Take On Board community. I do this podcast because I love bringing good women together so I invite you to join us over in the Take On Board Facebook group, an active group that helps, supports and cheer squads each other. Just search Take On Board in Facebook to find us. I'd really love it if you could also do some of the other podcast things. Share with someone you know who might get some value from our discussions. Subscribe if you haven't already. And, well, I also really love it when people rate and review. Thanks again for being part of the Take On Board community. Now go and put these tips, tricks and advice into action so you can be your best in the boardroom.